What's up, everybody? This is Noah Kinsey. And Jonesy. And you're listening to the UFR Podcast. Roll it. Today we are talking about the 1987 classic, The Princess Bride, which is coming up. This is its 30th anniversary. Is it really? It is. Shit, man. 87. How old was I? Two? <laughs> Two years old? <laughs> I was old? five. Jeez. Four, maybe. All depending right. on, I don't have the exact date. How old were you when you first saw this movie? <sighs> uh, maybe like seven or eight. Really? I mean, I, I, we rented it on VHS like all the time because really? it was one of my favorites. It's still one of my favorite movies ever. I watched this movie for the first time when I was like 16. Wow. And I didn't okay. even know about the movie until I joined the drama department in my high school because then all those kids were all into Monty Python and this, you know, all those those types of films. And then we watched The Princess Bride. And to be honest with you, the first time I watched it, I thought it was shit. Really? I did. I really wow. did. Wow. Because I was a dumb meathead when I was sure. growing up. Yeah. <laughs> you That's know what right. I mean? Yeah. It was just like weightlifting and football. Blah. Right? Feelings. Yeah. What is that? You just shove them all the You're way down. You're definitely the Fred Savage of this. You could raise Basically. him like, I agree. Kissing is gross. Yeah. I was like, Ex- yeah. unless I get my dudes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm like, what's love? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love was a kiss at the tip of the dick. You know what I mean? Like, that's all it was. <laughs> Can but, love get me late? Because yeah, then I'm that's for That's what it. I'm looking for, yeah. okay? Oh, got it. No, but <laughs> then I then I rewatched it and really watched it with intention. Mm-hmm. And the more I watched it, the more I really truly fell in love with it mm. in some weird way. Yeah. Well, know? I feel like there's really something in it for everybody. Like there this, really this is. This is a movie that can hit all the demographics. I agree. I do agree. And to be honest with you, I've never met one person that saw this movie and did not like it. I wouldn't trust that person. <laughs> Like, like, I would be like, there's something wrong with you, yeah, fundamentally. Yeah, we cannot be friends. Get mm-hmm. away from me. So it's it's litter. It is in my top five movies, of favorite movies of all time. I don't know if it's in my top five, but I really do enjoy it. But the I, I but even though like I can look at things without rose tinted glasses, because the one thing that always kills me watching it is the synthesizer score. Uh, kills me because it is so, I feel well, it's like, like a novella though it's supposed to be kind of swoony that yeah, way it's right? swoony it's the nice thing about it is it's definitely like told as a story time like right. literally told as a story time but I'm like I feel like that it's such a timeless movie because of that like story uh-huh. time feel to it that it's like but that makes that dates it uh-huh. that like sets it like this is an 80s movie Whereas, it does. It like, does feel the pacing feels eighties. Yeah. Whereas if it was like a genuine orchestra, I feel like people wouldn't always be reminded right. that it was of the eighties. They would know it's like a classic film. But you know what's whatever. funny is I never thought about it from that perspective. I always when I was watching it again, I was paying attention to the score, mm-hmm. and I was paying attention to the set, the set design. Uh huh. I love it's it. It's a it's a storybook. It is story. So I even think the the sword fighting is very storybook. That it felt mm-hmm. that way, and the music I think articulated that this is a fantasy. Uh-huh. This story is being read to us right uh-huh. now as the audience. And I I was okay with it to be honest with that's you. Fair. It was totally fine with me because of that. That's fair. That's my one. And thing. I think to that same point now that I'm talking about it right now, that might be the reason why I did not enjoy it when you were when 16. I was sixteen sure. because I didn't realize. 
what really was going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe it was because my ADD brain was someplace else, uh-huh. you know, trying to get a handy or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah. For being honest. I'm like, come on, babe. Come on. She's like, no, let's watch the movie. I'm like, I want love right now. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. Like, I don't. I don't. You I, know what? I want to wait for sex, too. I just, it's really important for me to find that special person. I'm not asking for sex. Just the tip. Just the like, tip. Just That's the tip. I... That's it. That's it. That's nothing. What's that? That's nothing. All right, fine. We'll fucking watch that. <laughs> you know, I mean, I already missed the setup. Basically, yeah. is what ended up happening. <laughs> right. So I didn't even know what was going on. Yeah. But as 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 I watch it younger, it just it looked fake and looked weird, and my mm-hmm. brain just was. But you like, didn't get that it was cheesy. intentional. Yeah, but I didn't realize it was intentional. Yeah. And then when I rewatched it and stuff like that, made more sense. So, to which end, I think it all works really well when you remind when you're reminded that this is a story being read to you right. out of a book. And they do, you know, Rob Reiner does such a great job of pulling us out of the story again and then putting us right back into yeah. the story again. In a uh, way that doesn't feel jarring. It feels so all. organic to the mm-hmm. film. Exactly. Did your parents ever read you stories Yo, all before the time. you I, went to bed and stuff? Uh-huh. Like I grew up, there was story time right before bed every single night. What was your favorite story? Um, maybe like the BFG, uh, really? Streganona. I mean, we read I don't a lot. Know what like, Streganona is Toad and Frog. I mean, it's kind of like that, where it was like a series of like kids' mm-hmm. books. Dude, my um, parents didn't do any of that shit. No, for me. no, man. <laughs> my parents were like, "Go to bed." Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no stories, nothing like that. You can't read. Look at pictures. Yeah, exactly. I, you know what my family book was? Everybody poops. <laughs> that was the storybook. She's like, did That's you go to the book. bathroom before you go to bed? Because yeah. I don't want you to poop the bed. So a one hump camel has a one hump poop. Two hump camel has a two hump poop. I'm just just kidding. <laughs> That's in the book. Yeah. Just kidding. Just kidding. Good <laughs> there one. There's a bit of me that was book. just like, what? <laughs> they do? No, they don't. But uh, I got into story time when I was in school. I never, my parents weren't big readers growing mm. up. They were big Jerry Springer watchers. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I never really had a big urge to read books. And one of my all time favorite books, and when I really kind of got into it, was um, Where the Wild Things Are. Ooh, I love that book. By far. And you want to know why it was one of my favorites? Not because of the story, it was because of the illustrations. Mm, yes. The illustrations got me connected to that story first before yeah. anything else and then when i really started getting into story was um where uh where the sidewalk ends mm-hmm. and shell silverstein the i love shell silverstein yep. probably, probably my all-time favorite children's books yep. first and foremost illustration style yeah and then the stories came because mm-hmm. i i was a very slow reader growing up so what i ended up doing was creating stories based on the illustrations that i saw and creating my own stories based on those things. Um, I was a very slow kid, all right, guys? <laughs> With a very large imagination, okay? Don't judge me. But then, as I got older, then People I on podcasts, you can't tell. I'm giving him a bless his heart look. I know. Pretty much. <laughs> That's why he got defensive right yeah, there. Exactly. It's like, aw. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, you poor chubby kid. <laughs> you bastard. Um, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I don't know where I'm going with all this bullshit. But to me... Well, I, just I never the had magic. that. Scene. You're talking yeah, about exactly. like I never the had magic that moment with like stories. my grandfather or yeah. with a parent or whatever that was reading me a story mm-hmm. like that. And I've, like I've you're basically saying, like the magic of of reading a book mm-hmm. is so well done in or this have, movie. Exactly, or having somebody read you yeah. a book or a story. 
you know it's mm-hmm. it's wonderful i mean i'm a 30 year old man right now and my wife will read me a story and it's a it's it's adorable and amazing and he's like just one more that's like, what i tell her i was like just one more bit. he just Come brings on. a book to her in bed like read this one <laughs> she's this like one. I'm, uh, this one the, fl- the fly flies by again Okay. Yeah, this like, one, please. Yeah, please, honey. Please, honey. <laughs> and then love afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and then sex. Yeah. Thanks. Just a tip, though. <laughs> um, yeah, I I love it. I mean, William Goldman, who wrote the who wrote the story. Did you hear how this story came to be? He basically wrote this mm-hmm. story for his daughter. Saw one of them wanted a princess book. One of them wanted, wanted a bride, bride one. He's like, like, "There's the title, bride. found mm-hmm. it." Yeah, and he basically wrote this book for his yeah. for his daughters, and it became what it is today, which is the most awesome way to start a creative project. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just from you know, we were talking about it earlier before the podcast. Just a place of true authenticity, yeah. just to entertain yeah. his kids. What's the best? What's the best thing I can make for my daughters that right. I know they'll love? Right, right, right. And I mean, it's it's. I just I seriously love this movie so much. And so I tell what is you, it about the movie that you love so much? I might just. I really think it hits all the elements of just good um, escapism film, mm-hmm. um, and just there's really i mean there's there's so much to appreciate about the humor is so is so wonderful and so simple i mean even with physics rhyming that Mm -hmm. anybody want a peanut when i went to WonderCon, (laughs) i didn't know that reference for the longest really because what's his name uses it in forgetting sarah marshall Uh anybody want the peanut peanut? yeah and i didn't ever catch that for the longest time yeah that's um even when i went to WonderCon, that's the magnet i bought anybody want a peanut and i bought princess bride playing cards those are the only things i bought at WonderCon this year (laughs) were just two princess bride things um Mm -hmm. But I just I love the humor. I love just the different relationship dynamics between all the different characters. Right. Um, and there are just different types of humor in there. You know, I mean, there's the funny, subtle. Yeah, that was the one thing that I really loved too. That it was it was stupid at times, mm-hmm. and it was very very ingenious at times, yeah. and it weaved into one another throughout the overall storyline extremely well. Yeah. In my oh opinion. yeah, it just seamlessly went from even the revenge tale mm-hmm. went in through the love tale went in through like well, the and that's humor. the interesting theme, right? The interesting mm-hmm. theme of love, right? Yeah. You have a grandfather. You open up the story with a grandfather coming in to, to see share a sick son, to see or a sick grandson, right? And he wants to share this this book with him out of love, right? Yeah, to because pass it down. His dad read it to him exactly, and so forth. he read it to his dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you have the setup, which, to be honest with you, I love the setup. Mm. Super awesome. The the through line, the as you wish line. Fun boy. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, that gets me every single time. The last beat of the overall movie where the grandfather tells as him wish. as you wish. Yeah. like Chills. Oh, I just got chills. Got me yeah. so good, yeah. you know? Um, because what it means, right? Yeah. Because no one says I love you in this story. Mm-mm. Not once do they say I love you. And you don't need to say I love you. But you feel yeah. the love, and yep. that's such a beautiful thing, in my opinion. Um, but that that love is what carries us through the entire uh-huh. the entire film. You know yeah. what I mean? You got Indigo Montoya's Who's love, love for, for his, his father. father. You know, um, killed my father, prepared to die, prepared to die. That last scene, too, by the way, yeah, with the six hundred me money, yeah. <laughs> offered me everything. 
I want my father back, you son of a bitch. He's like, anything, anything. Um, that whole scene was phenomenal. And he cuts opinion. him and does, he does, he, he just does just exactly the same things that the six-fingered man did to him. Mm-hmm. Just the, the arms, the cheek, and then just the one yep. stab. I mean, literally exactly the same number in same places. And I love the point to that guy's character that, he it was a revenge, but it was revenge and just, yeah, you know, and that he trained just for him, just for that moment, just for the off the chance because he knew destiny's like he's gonna avenge yeah. his father, yeah. And again, back to the stop love. saying that, <laughs> you know, what it's funny too because Christopher Guest, uh, makes sense he was in this movie because of Rob Reiner, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he's basically in every Rob Reiner movie almost. Oh, and get this, Christopher Guest had. Six fingers on one hand, five on another. So I guess you could say he cranked his hands up to 11. <laughs> I didn't even think about putting those two things together. How awesome is that? That's pretty damn funny. <laughs> That's actually really... Oh, my God. Because it's better. Yeah. <laughs> but how is that different from going up to 10? Yeah. But this one goes to 11. <laughs> one more than 10. So it's better. <laughs> and that's Rob Reiner and Christopher Guest. There you go. Right there. Yeah. That damn blockhead knows how to make a fucking oh, movie, yeah. man. So it's just, <laughs> yeah. you know, his his comedic timing is really well mm-hmm. done, too. The, my favorite scene, though, out of this entire movie was um, the Billy Crystal's character. Half on Storm in the Castle. Yeah, exactly. That whole scene uh-huh. was super funny Oh, it's to amazing. Me. Uh, Rob couldn't, Rob Reiner couldn't be in the room when they're filming it because he was laughing so hard so at Billy hard. Crystal. Oh and Manny God. Patinkin says the only injury that he got while filming this was a cracked rib from Love. stifling laughter so much. Oh if you go back God. and watch the scene, there's certain parts where he's like, you can tell he's trying so hard not to laugh at what uh-huh. Billy Crystal's saying. That's so good, man. That uh-huh. whole scene by far, my favorite. And then you have... Uh, Hobbitink, Hobbitink, Hobbitink. Who's the, who's the actress that played his wife? Oh, uh, Carol Kane. Car- from Taxi. Love her. She was Litka. Yeah, you. love her. She's uh, also plays in... Um, she's in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Unbreakable Kimmy mm-hmm. Schmidt, yeah. I love that lady. She's very distinct. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's the speech impediment. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, 100%. And here's the funny she's part. Such a like, sweetheart. She's so sweet. I don't, yeah. even, I don't even care about your speech impediment. It's really endearing, that huh? speech impediment. She's like, liar, liar. I'm not a witch, I'm your wife. Yeah, exactly. And that whole scene just kind of comes through. Uh-huh. Um, I, heard a st- I, I heard a story where Billy Crystal and her came to Rob Reiner and William Gold and they were basically highlighting that that part of the book, and they came up with a giant backstory Perfect. for that part, yeah. and uh, they just kind of let them do whatever yeah. they wanted Perfect. to do. So I was like, it "That's was pretty Perfect. cool." And I was, oh man, so to blave, yeah, means to bluff. Because and here's the thing: you have you, you have these two characters that they may have been in love for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know how old they really yeah. are, especially in this storybook. Yeah, you know, place and a. I don't know. Just that that scene alone for me was really well crafted, and one Billy Crystal just hilarious to me. So it all worked out really well. Yeah, he's not all the way dead. Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> That's and yeah. that and I think another like you asked why do I love this? And there's just the the movie is sprinkled with so many quotable quotes that fit so perfectly in the story. Right. Because there are other movies where you hear like a quote or things like that, and you're like, yeah, that's really memorable but in the context of the movie you're like but in the stories 
Mm. Not that great. Right. But in this movie's like, damn, you know, those quotes. It works so well. Work beautifully. Mm. Like that I only doggy paddle. Like, yeah, I only so, doggy paddle. Like so many things. Mm -hmm. Just I don't so, swim. I don't swim. I don't swim. Yep. And even watching this, <laughs> I'm like, watching this as a grown ass adult, I was thinking, man, uh, Wesley's fight with the rats of unusual size is still more intense to me than <laughs> than Leo's fight with the bear and the revenant. Oh my god! <laughs> so I just, what you're telling me is the bear shouldn't have been CGI. It should have just been a puppeteer bear. Well, it should have been a, a, a small person a small, inside, yeah. which is what this was. That's fucking funny. Yeah, that's... which is great because uh, on the day they were shooting that, there were you know like smaller people inside of those rats. Uh -huh. And the day of shooting it, everything was running really late. Uh, because the guy who was going to be in that costume didn't show up until a lot later, and he came apologizing because he was out drinking the night before, and he got pulled over, and uh, the the policeman arrested him thinking he was drunk and put him in the jail overnight because he didn't believe him saying, oh, tomorrow I'm dressing as a rat for a movie. <laughs> so he's like, you're just obviously drunk. Oh, wow. So they put him in like basically the drunk tank overnight. So that's why he was late to shoot the next oh, day. Oh, how funny is but that? But I'm like, just the way that you just fall into this obvious fairy tale world is so just like... And you just accept it. Yeah. That's the best part. Like, yes, they're fake or whatever, but you just kind of accept that it is what it is. And even like it's Wesley's okay. lines... As, like, very nonchalant or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, just so, you know, we figured out the fire swamp, we could stay in here forever, kind mm -hmm. of just so nonchalant, which I'm just like, that really helps add to, like, the danger feel of right. watching it. It's like, shit, this guy who's, like, discounting everything right. for her sake, mm -hmm. because he doesn't want her to worry. Right. So Deep down, he may be worried. Oh, he's probably really concerned. Like, have been like, how do we get out of here? Because he crap. loves her and right. wants her to survive to all of this. Because, right. I mean, he's gone through a lot of shit becoming be the Dread Pirate Robins. Which is a Roberts hilarious story, Which, by, by the way, way, yeah, did you catch the name, the real name of the one before him? Uh-uh. Cumberbund. Cumberbund? What I'd was rewind the references? It. Well, I mean, well, Benedict Cumberbund. I'm like, it's like, or, you know, I call him that. Uh -huh. Benedict Cumberpatch, when I heard the Cumberbund, I was like, oh, interesting. Oh. But there used to be a real Dread Pirate Roberts. Uh -huh. um, I can't – it's uh, Bartholomew, I think was his name, Roberts. He was, like, considered one of the most notorious pirates, pirates back in the day. Oh. So there was a real Dread Pirate Roberts that the author put in this book. Oh. Which I thought was kind of cool. That's interesting. Yeah. I thought it was just – to me, it was just But really I love funny... that story. It makes yeah, sense where it's totally. like you have this iconic – because there's been other tales. That feels like he never dies. Yeah, yeah he never so dies. Cool. He keeps that like, legend, allure, right? that legend, uh -huh. that danger, where it's like, shit, we just got ransacked by the Dread Pirate Roberts and keeps that legend alive. Mm -hmm. I love that thought. The one person that I do not really like in this story, personally, is Buttercup. You don't like Princess Buttercup? True. I don't know. There's just like, other than her being pretty. And boy, is she pretty. She is very beautiful in this movie. Mm -hmm. 
there's something maybe it's because of where we're at right now in our society. Yeah. Where I just you need wish more that they, from the female lead. I do. I really wish I just felt like she was just getting shoved through. Yeah. You know? She did make a good stand though for the person she loved, uh-huh. you know. Like I'm doing this, but it doesn't mean that I love you. Yeah. You know, that's You've type always of been thing. so nice to me, but I want you to know I'm gonna be I'm killing gonna kill myself. myself. Exactly. Like I get she that. Me. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I get that part, but yeah. at the same time I just felt like maybe it's just because of the fairy tale, but in some crazy way. I'm just like, I wish she she had a little bit more heft to do. More you substance. Know, exactly. You know what I mean? Because I do feel that she just kind of got shoved through the yeah, storyline. Yeah, I mean, line, she's personally. the MacGuffin, basically, of this movie. Yeah, but she's the thing that everybody's fallen in love for. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Like yeah, that I see what you're saying. Scenario. I do think it was like back in that time for movie making, that's kind of like the princess who needs saved. Mm-hmm. You know, the damsel in distress. Because and... if you remade this movie now... She wouldn't be that. She'd passive. be saving Wesley. Yeah, she, exactly. If we're looking right. at Fury Road, he's right, going to be the yeah. one that needs to be saved. Right, and yeah, exactly. Because like Glenn Close be... is like trying to marry him, uh-huh. <laughs> so she uh-huh. has to save him. So, yeah, yeah. That was that's the only yeah. hiccup that I have. Um, and again, you know, she she does the job to kind uh-huh. of push the serviceable story. for the plot. Exactly. I just I do wish that there was just a just a little bit more, mm-hmm. a little bit more, but. All in all, uh, my favorite character in this movie is Andre the Giant. Mm, yeah. I love Andre the Giant, man. He is huge. He is. He's 6'4", uh-huh. 550 pounds. Yeah. And if you guys listening to this don't know, Andre the Giant was a uh, professional of the wrestler. Professional, like one of the original. He's the one that actually passed the torch to Hulk Hogan in one right. of the WrestleManias to catapult Hulk Hogan into to where he is now. He wouldn't be as iconic right. without Andre passing that torch. That torch over, right? Because he like he he submitted. He like he, he did, got beat. He, he, he got, got beat, beat. But there's a way that he got. He lifted beat. him up. That's and he's it. never and been he's lifted never up. Lifted. That's it. Yeah. So. Which couldn't have been good for Andre's back. I feel bad for him. But like that was the thing. The fact that Hulk could lift him off of his feet blew everybody's mind. Like right. holy shit. Right. Right. Because five hundred fifty pounds. Five hundred fifty pound man. So they were saying that some of the back. You know, some of the behind the scenes stuff I thought was rather interesting. They would go out and kind of drink and have a good time. And he had this concoction of just multiple liquors in mm-hmm. one thing. Uh, he did a hard time getting it, drunk. Called it the American, is <laughs> what he called it. And he would just, he, he wasn't drinking because he had an alcohol problem. It's because his back was in such mm-hmm. pain being as large as he was. Yeah. And because of the wrestling, the doctors couldn't give him any pain medications because they didn't know how much to give him because he was so large. Yeah. So they didn't give him any. Thing. Yeah, and the whole time during the shoot of this film, he uh, he was going to go get his back get back surgery afterwards. So he was just in pain the entire yeah. time. Like and they were saying he just showed up every morning, no matter how mm-hmm. drunk he seemed the night before. Up every time, ready to get ready to shoot. Yeah, which and I thought was pretty amazing. And Rob Reiner would record his lines right in because a he tape. had a hard time. Yeah, he had a hard his, time with the yeah. With the speech, right? Because he's French. Right. Yeah. He's French. And like so. reading like English was tougher for him. So right. Rob Reiner would tape it and Andre would just listen to it in headphones mm-hmm. while waiting to shoot. And they didn't have to like ADR or anything. Nothing, right? Like, really nothing. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but even kind of going back to the lower backs or to his back stuff, uh, they used a lot of wire work because he couldn't even like lift up Robin Wright. I mean, when she came down to him at the end with the horse, uh-huh. like she was on wires to like, 
basically alleviate any sort of stress of, of on her, his back. any of her weight uh, on him. Um, but he was a, such a sweet man. Like he yeah. loved everybody. And uh, Dude, I heard a story. He in one sitting. This guy was like the drinker of all drinkers. Mm-hmm. In one sitting, a hundred and fifty six okay. beers. Jesus. Which is fourteen point three gallons of beer. Yeah. It's a full keg yeah. by himself mm-hmm. that he drank in two hours. Jesus. Two hours this dude, man. Yeah. He probably felt fine. Yeah. I was just like, dude. Mm-hmm. Nobody can outdrink a man like that. Mm-mm. That's just that's amazing. He had to, to have me. an ATV, drive him around like everywhere be just mm-hmm. because he couldn't walk very far because of his yeah, back his and back. he kept wanting like carrie elwes to drive him uh-huh. around um and he did one day and something happened where carrie's foot got stuck like they hit something or whatever and his foot got stuck between the pedal or whatever mm-hmm. and it really like banged up his his foot to the fact where he couldn't put a lot of weight on it so going into the fire swamps that's why he kind of has like a little jaunt is uh-huh. just trying to take off the pain and even before they roll down the hill with the as you wish rolling uh-huh. down the hill when he's sitting there like on the rock he kind of has his foot propped up because he couldn't put total uh, pressure on it that's interesting but but andre like everybody loved andre and afterwards yeah. he was asked what his favorite part or what he what his favorite part of the production was and he said nobody looks at me and the reason he said that is because he felt like that was the first time people looked at him like an equal uh, as a being like this monstrosity huge man as a spectacle people right. just saw him as one of them and right. that was just really special to him because That's he so cool. wasn't used to was that. he in any other movies outside of this i don't i don't know i, I honestly don't, don't know i've never seen he didn't live very much longer after no, this. i know poor guy i know so well when you're that large man you know mm-hmm. oh <laughs> and another fact i liked is during the filming of scenes the weather was like super cold and mm-hmm. robin wright was having a problem with that so like Andre would help her by placing one of his hands over her head because his hands were so large that one could entirely cover the top of Brad, keeping her warm. <laughs> That's really funny. That is really really funny. So, but like everybody loved being in this. Manny Patinkin still says this is his favorite role. And- well, you know what's interesting about that too is that right before he got this part, his father passed away of mm-hmm. pancreatic cancer yeah. so he had yeah. this weird he said when he killed when he that. killed the six-fingered man he's like he felt like he killed his father's cancer like mm-hmm. that was him making peace peace with whatever was with going what on. happened with his dad yeah. which is really touching and sad i know you know but at the same time so another uh, another like fun fact basically is uh carrie was wanted uh christopher guest to like actually hit him over the head oh, like God. to actually do it which was dumb because guests hit him hard enough that they had to shut down production for the day when Ellis was taken to the hospital. Him out? Yeah. Oh my god. It was the top of his freaking head. Like even UFC, you're not supposed to hit the top of someone's head. Uh. Like it's major, <laughs> major problems. Um, <laughs> so apparently, like Robin Wright and Carrios were like smitten with each other through the production. Which I mean, he's a pretty man. They're both very beautiful people. He's a. They very would have very beautiful man. babies. Yeah. Like, right. But I mean, their on-screen chem- on-screen chemistry was. There's only two movies I've seen Carrie Elway Elwes in, which was this movie, Robin Hood Men and Tights. Robin Hood Men in Tights, yep. and then after that, Saw. Saw. Mm-hmm. I feel like those are like the three main movies that he's he, been. I in that like I've honestly seen. He was. I feel like he was in. I want to say the Tarzan from the late '90s. He was in. Uh, he was the the bad guy storm storm chaser in Twister. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I, I mean, that. basically, you'd think after Robin Hood and especially Princess Bride, you'd think this guy would be like Hollywood's leading man. No. In, but nope. No. Like, what do you, what do you think the reason was for? Maybe I maybe just he chose bad. I mean, a lot of times it's just you choose choose parts that aren't doing great. I mean, before I Deadpool, Ryan Reynolds' career wasn't exactly staying as a leading man because he did some shitty ass movies. Oh, R.I.P.D. Well, it was like um, Green Lantern ugh. screwed his screwed his ass. Terrible. But I know. Um, anyway, so anyway, uh, I wanted to bring up um, some of the potential other casting because I always find that super interesting. Sure, sure, sure. So Uma Thurman auditioned for Buttercup. I'm so glad she didn't make yeah, that. Yeah, she was deemed too exotic looking for the part. What? I could she see is. that. Because How? she's about as tall as Andre the Giant. True. <laughs> True. Uh, Liam Neeson um, wanted to... Uh, he no. auditioned for Fezzik. Okay. I was about to say, don't you but tell Rob me. But Rob Reiner scoffed when he heard that Liam's height was only, quote unquote, only six foot four. That's still a big dude, though. Yeah. Six foot four is still pretty large. That's well. That's very. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was offered the role of Fezzik. No way. But he couldn't do it because of his NBA schedule. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad that didn't work out because if you're gonna have a giant like that, Christopher Reeve was considered for the role of Wesley. Huh. That, that would be kind of interesting, though, only yeah. because it's like straight storybook style. You know what I mean with the with the black hair yeah. and the tall, dark, and tall, handsome. dark and handsome. Yeah, Courtney Cox and Meg Ryan auditioned for Princess Buttercup. Courtney Cox, uh huh. Which who's she? She is Monica oh, in Friends. That's right. Uh, I could Meg see her Ryan. doing that too, but it's a different look. You know? Oh it's a yeah. Di- totally same thing with feel. you know. Same thing with uh, Christopher Reeve would be right. change completely change the different dynamics. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't believe it. I don't know. I don't know if I well maybe. here I get know. this. William Goldman claimed that Carrie Fisher was the ideal choice for Buttercup. That's who he envisioned when he wrote this book. Well. I could see that, like Princess Leia Carrie Fisher style. Mm-hmm. I could totally see that. And uh, the last one I found super interesting was Whoopi Goldberg campaigned for the role of Princess Buttercup. No. Yeah. She, like, really tried hard for this. Well, she's <laughs> good for her. Good for her. I think he would have gotten to her and then thrown her out the window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just out of pure annoyance. You know yeah. what I mean? But I mean that's kind of I just I I find those alternative casting choices interesting well, to the, think about what that film could have been. Well, the guy that played um, the guy that played Vinzi uh, Vinzi Vinzi the oh the Vicini Vicini. Thank you. The guy that played Vicini, they actually Rob Reiner's first choice was Danny DeVito. Yeah, yeah, and that fucked with, with his yeah. mind because like even uh, Cariola said that. Um, that actor was like he noticed him super sweaty during the like standoff thing because he was uh-huh. so nervous that I, and it, which is weird. Like you'd think after you film so many days in costume, everything you'd think that you wouldn't At still be you're gonna get freaking fired. out that it's gonna pull a Back to the Future uh-huh. or what's his name was pulled a couple weeks into production. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> poor that guy. I know what Stoltz was that his name. I, don't I can't remember, remember his name. name. That's the point. Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably like sitting, brooding, yeah. eating his Cheerios. He's like, I should have been Marty McFly. And I could totally see Danny DeVito doing this. Right. right but I right. love this guy. The inconceivable. Yeah. I do not think you. Yeah, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, I have this movie like he's, memorized. He's also super smart, though. Yeah, he got a de- he got a degree out of Harvard. Got his master's degree out of Oxford. You know, mm. la- very. Uh, he's basically an American history and 
European history. Yeah, he's guy. a smart like, dude. Super smart. And he's perfect for this. Like I, I can't I, I just I can't get I can't get past his lisp. Mm-hmm. But it thing, works because it's just look at that thing. I'm just like, oh my god. But I think it works better in this role because then it's so it adds an extra layer of comedy where it's like and this guy, yeah, this guy be- thinks he's right. like super dangerous and super sinister, but like, but he's such really? a weasel. Yeah, but know? like, it could flick him and he would yeah. fly across the room. And the he's f- bullying Andre the Giant and you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. the The movie that I first saw him in, Unemployed up, in Greenland. <laughs> <laughs> you got that voice down pretty good, man. You got it pretty good. The first movie I saw that dude in was Clueless. He played the teacher in Clueless. What? I yeah. forgot all about that. Yeah, he played oh, the teacher in Clueless. Shit. And then there's another one that says, Mom and Dad Save the World. And he basically... Is that any good? I've never heard it's, of it. I don't know. It's one of those 80, <laughs> 90s movies that I think is pretty damn funny. Oh. It has John Lovitz in it. Um, and they basically... Oh, him and his wife are going to go out wow. on a... Uh, uh-huh. Dang. <laughs> they basically are going to go out on a... Uh, uh, I don't know. They were supposed to go on this trip. They didn't really want to go. Mm. And then their car gets basically sucked up by an alien spaceship because his wife was so pretty. Oh, it is. It's just a weird fucking movie. <laughs> it kind of sounds cool. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll do a review on it yeah, at some point. Yeah, it's really, really, really cool. Good. Um, but anyway, <laughs> he plays uh, he plays the the guy that wants to marry uh, marry his wife like in it. that movie, which is pretty funny. Cool. Well. Last last thing, I just you know we've in other episodes we've kind of been like for like certain things that are said we're like actually mm-hmm. you know, like for real though like the realtor and the Beetlejuice episode we're like right. I think she's up to some shit like, right I right. think so in this movie the one thing where I'm like mm, where uh, Wesley's Wesley's justification for keeping um, the prince's ears intact uh-huh. is like so you can hear all the kids saying like. Oh God! This is what is this monstrosity? Mm-hmm. You could still punish him by cutting off his ears. He can still hear shit, right? Like your sense of hearing is not in the lobes. So I'm <laughs> well, like, you could still punish the dude. They didn't know that back then. True. You know what I mean? They're like these magical little flappy yeah, things. Exactly. They didn't know that. Just back pick then. up all the sounds. Yeah. So I'm just like, Meh, you could still punish him some more, buddy. But really, maybe that's me being sadistic. To that same I'm like, point, too. Cut off everything. Was the Prince your king uh, Humperdink, Prince Humperdink, Prince Humperdink, because the king was still that old man. That's right. So Prince Humperdink and uh, Christopher Guest character. Oh, uh, the six handed, the six uh, handed man or whatever. Count something. They're butt buddies, right? Oh yeah. All right. They've so, played swords at least at least once, right? Because there was to. a couple of little moments where he was just just those looks were a little was like, too sweet. Yeah, they were know? the co-conspirators. They were the only two that knew anything. Right. So you was, know, did, you know there was like some you can college age years curiosity going on <laughs> during a uh, night class. I mean, you have to think Prince Humperdinck's like, I wonder what six fingers would be like. I know, <laughs> like, right? Just, just wrap it. Like, <laughs> you don't, no stroke, just wrap it. Yeah, like, the six just, finger man just kind of like shakes his it. one <laughs> second pinky over at him. Hey, how you doing? That's pretty funny. <laughs> All right. Can you just maybe you can clarify something for me? Because me and my wife were thinking about this. Why were they trying to start a war with Gilda? Uh, maybe you can answer just me. Because? Maybe I'll answer your question with a question. Okay. Why did Trump bomb Syria? Oh, well. Uh... It, wartime leaders always look more heroic okay. and more courageous. Okay. 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 You know, so. 
So I th- I think um mm-hmm. I think part of that is like just to get shit going. Have a reason maybe like to be able to have a reason to war with them to then take all of their shit. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like so they have justification if they think that these people um like if they think this other country bombed them or bombed them. If they think this other country attacked their princess, then they could justify going in there stealing all their gold, stealing all their stuff cuz hey, they they fought back first. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my assumption at least. I could see that. And to be I honest just, with you, it's not really not that important, no. I guess. I just didn't know if I missed something no. within that. I think you just he just probably wanted to wage war to make more money and probably look more awesome. Well, especially starting his kinghood. Yeah. His know. dad's gonna die soon. You've seen the man. Yeah, he dude, that guy old. was I'm like, that guy's dead, right? Yeah. How's that guy still going? I mean, his memory's not there. That's why right. when she's like, I'm gonna kill myself, he's like, She kissed me. <laughs> Adorable. Yeah, adorable. Well, that's, yeah, well. We love it. We love it. Yeah. Highly recommend it's it. It's cheeky, but it's enjoyable, right? Mm-hmm. So. It's purposely that way. It's purposely uh-huh. supposed to be storybooky. I agree. So, Jonesy, what's yes, making uh, you hard this week? Uh, what's making me hard this week? I just finished the Santa Clarita diet. Did you like it? I did. I thought it was pretty entertaining. I couldn't get past her acting. So that, yes, I agree. That was kind of interesting. This is think amazing because he's always awesome. Yeah, well, who's the other guy? Timothy Oliphant. Oliphant, yeah. That guy, I think he comes at this thing pretty good. All the supporting actors, I think, do oh, really, yeah. really yeah. well. Drew Barrymore, but I don't think a film like or show like this would have been made if he didn't have Drew Barrymore, in my opinion. I think I think I can think of a ton more like think so? comedy actresses. Yeah, because I don't think she does comedy well. Yeah. Like I think she plays it too like derp a derp a derp a derp. And yeah. for me, so. it's like I felt like that would have been better if it was less derpy on that character. Because I <laughs> love his reactions to stuff, derp. but I didn't like her derpiness. Yeah, I mean so that, that was one thing that I had a hard time getting over. But the plot, in my opinion, was oh yeah, so very interesting and interesting that. My wife and I were just kind of in this point of like, let's just see how this thing is going to mm. end. And that was more entertaining to me than anything else. And so towards the very end of it, I didn't see it going the way that it went, which is really, really nice. Because I can usually predict it mm-hmm. to, to some certain extent. Yeah. I, I didn't. And I thought it was pretty fun. So if you guys haven't seen it, I'd urge you to look past Drew Barrymore's amazing <laughs> Academy acting skills and just enjoy it. Yeah. Because I thought it was pretty fun. Nice. You? For me, it was Iron Fist. That oh, was, I've, heard, I've heard mixed reviews about it. I, I've heard mostly positive from people who actually watched it. I have, some um, of my friends were like, I can't even get past the first episode. But see, so, okay, so it's my actual, of all the first seasons for the Netflix Marvel shows, yeah. this is my favorite. Even more than, like... Uh-huh. Of, every, of all of them. Really? Um, And because the other ones, you have the Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, those would have, like... Coming out of the gate, strong seasons. Is it still set in that gritty It's still style? in that world. It's still in that universe. It's still in the gritty. Um, but the problem with those is halfway through the season, I it's like they didn't realize they'd have so many episodes. Uh-huh. So it's treading water. Okay. I mean, like in Jessica Jones, how many fucking times does the Purple Man have to escape after they've caught him? Like at multiple times. Yeah. So I felt like those shows start out strong and then peter off so you get to the climactic season finale which by that time you're like all right mm. you know whereas iron fist starts off real, real pretty slow 
uh-huh. um, and kind of, but every episode builds. builds so like it episode. builds oh, yeah. to something uh-huh. and it, it kept getting my interest more and more and more. And everyone like, there's a whole controversy about whitewashing, which it's not because the character has always been white, right. but the writers understood the controversy and I feel like they addressed it a lot in the show. Huh. So like, because he's like in a magical place in Asia for like 15 years, but he's a white dude. When he comes back, he has a lot of that culture he brings here. Uh-huh. And he'll say like Chinese proverbs and things like that. But the other characters would give him a look like this is weird coming from a white guy. Yeah. yeah. And I felt like that was their how cool way. cool is that though? Exactly. That's interesting. They really, I felt like they really addressed the how weird is it that this white dude, but it's is also like fish out of water world. because right. he's also 15 years, he was, he, he basically his culture has shifted yeah and he was a child when he was in new york Got and it. then he was like taken whisked away so he's like mm. a fish out of water literally so everywhere. my my biggest question for shows like this is comic book versus the actual show comparable yeah to um, a point you know obviously it's not point. gonna be perfect but do you feel the the, they stay true to the comic the heart book of the core, okay. the core integrity of the character. Thinking. They stay true to while putting him in a world where it wouldn't make sense to have this be a white guy. Gotcha. Um, but they do it in a great way. People complained about like the kung fu fighting, but there's a lot of logic. Whereas like event, you know, the fighting gets better as the episode goes on. There's some fun fights. There's okay. a fight that's straight up from a kung fu film with a drunk guy. Cool. That's like a master of fighting. Hell yeah, dude! That's while awesome. he's drinking. Hell yeah! And it's so fun. All right, then I'm already sold because you said kung fu. I don't know shit about Iron mm-hmm. Fist, but if there's kung fu fighting, I will watch yeah. it no matter. So what. like, so like, the start. Like, I'm done. Dude. So Let's the start, the fighting not being that great makes sense because he's not used to this dimension. So he's right. trying to get used to his powers that he just got over there uh-huh. in a world where it's not necessarily fits in. All right, you're so. talking too much now. You're, okay. you're giving me too much. Anyway, no, no, no. no that doesn't. Together. I promise, it doesn't spoil it. But All anyway, right. so that was my favorite of the first seasons. Okay. okay of okay. the Netflix Marvel shows. All right, so I'm gonna watch highly it recommend now. it. And honestly, people complained about the whitewashing. If you look at the whole cast, this is probably one of the most diverse casts I've ever seen. Like Even more than Johnny K or well, uh, Luke, Luke Cage, Cage was almost all black. There was one and a half that's white true. guys in it. Like that's, that's it. That's not really diverse. That's more just. Different. I just felt it was more ethnic. There was like it, a Mexicans thing. and things like that's that. That's the word ethnic. Yeah. Whereas this one's more diverse. It has okay. people of all ethnicities in it. More oh, than okay. most shows I've ever seen. Oh sweet. From a show that was being ripped apart for quote unquote whitewashing. I'm like, dude, this show is diverse as fuck. Both behind and in front of the camera. There's nice. a lot of female and Riza is one of the directors. Riza? Riza. The Riza is a the Riza is one of the directors nice. of an episode. Which makes sense. His yeah, man in the Iron Fist type of or the what was that called? I know what you're talking about. Was that called that? I feel like it was. Yeah, I feel like I feel like too. it was called Iron Fist. Yeah. Yeah. So he was one a director of an And episode. he did Afro Samurai, so mm-hmm. yeah. So I thought so I, I recommend it. It's All awesome. Right. Well, shit. But that's our show. Uh, uh, do you have anything to promote social media? What's what are you, you on know, social media? What am I? I right now just Twitter and Instagram. If you guys want to follow me, it's uh, the real Jonesy. Um, you guys can follow me there. Nice. If you guys want to, if you guys want to check out my website, heyjonesy.com. If you want to see some of the stuff I've been working on. Um, other than that, uh, you can find us at theufrpodcast.com. <laughs> but other than that, man, just kind of cruising yep, our through. Social media, also UFR Podcast, at it. UFR Podcast for it. both mm-hmm. Twitter and Instagram. Woo-woo. For me, uh, Twitter, Instagram, both at the Noah Kinsey. Um, <laughs> you can go to my website, noahkinsey.com. You can see a lot of the past stuff that I've done. And mm-hmm. I have a blog with like updated things. Yes. 
BS, all that shizzle. So, but that's it. Uh, next week we are going to uh, do Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Jesus. I'm excited for some Indiana Jones. I am too. All right. Uh, have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you next time. We out. Oh, 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 o